Hello. So today I want to talk about <laughs> one of my recent reads, which I kind of stumbled upon because I was, I think it was Audible. I was on Audible and I was trying to, I wanted this particular biography and then they had this sale where you can buy one, you get one free, I think it was, or something like that. So I had to pick out another one. Which brought me to the book I am going to tell you about. But, <laughs> so you know how, or at least for me, if, if you're in bookish or writer communities on social media, you know that, you know, getting traditionally published has become harder and harder over the years. More challenging <laughs> for those of us who have those ambitions. And... When I think about, you know, the different aspiring biographers and memoirists and just, you know, people wanting to get published, and I think about the ones who have been turned down, this book, I just find it interesting <laughs> because as I was reading this story, I'm just like, there's a lack of cohesion in the story and it's just the absence of a thematical thread throughout this story that I'm just like, I'm astounded that it made it. <laughs> it just, it astounds me. Okay. Hello, my name is Tamika. And whether you stumbled upon Junkie for a story or are here by intention, thank you for stopping by. I hope you enjoy this video, and if you do, please give it a like and subscribe by the end of the video, and hit the bell for notifications so you won't miss new videos when they are released. And now, on to the video. Okay, so anyway, the book I am going to discuss is The Big Hurt. Now, this is a memoir by Erica Shackle, and I'm, no. I started to say I'm told that she is, but no, I read it. <laughs> I read it in here. So she is the daughter of somebody, you know, and she she kind of reminds me of, what is her name? Megan something, the one whose father was the senator. I can't think of the last name, Megan, the one who was on The View, but <laughs> who was always riding her father's coattails. Although now, I mean, she can clearly stand on her own two feet, but, you know, when she first got into... Um, you know, TV and politics, you know, she was constantly letting you know she's the daughter of. And this person, she reminds me, you know, of that. And she she said at one point that the author Joyce Carol Oates calls her, wait, let me see if, I wrote it somewhere. I, I just want to make sure I get it right. How did she say it? Okay, Joyce Carol Oates referred to me as an opportunist. <laughs> and when I read this book, I'm like, eh, I can't say I disagree. So I don't know. As I was reading this book, I'm just like, well, first of all, there's a voice in this book. So it sounds like a teenager, except this came out in 2022. And when you look at the picture... <laughs> 
So if you look at the picture in the back, I mean, she clearly looks like a full grown woman, right? There's the picture. But I mean, she's in her 60s at this point, but yet she sounds like, you know, a younger woman when she's telling her story. So, I mean, <laughs> when you read the synopsis, it sounds like an interesting story, right? So I'll just read, you know, a brief part of it. Jekyll came of age in the 1970s. The Progeny of two writers, Richard Sheckle, the prominent film critic from Time Magazine, and Julia Whedon, a melancholy mid-list novelist. In the wake of her parents' ugly divorce, Erica was packed off to a bohemian boarding school in the Berkshires. So that's what this memoir is about. It's kind of like two coming-of-age stories because she talks about her younger years, her teenage years and how her parents divorced and not getting along with her mother sent her to this boarding school, you know, that she had a rocky relationship with her mother, but her father, I'm not sure what the reason was. I, I think it's because of his demanding career. He couldn't really be a full-time parent to her. So they agreed to send her to this boarding school uh, because she was, it sounded like she was quite neglected as a adolescent. She was pretty much on her own. <laughs> um, and she, ha she had a sister, so she was the oldest of two. But, you know, when, when you listen to her, it sounds like she spent a lot of time just doing whatever she wanted to do anyway. So they decided to, to, to send her to boarding school. And from there, a situation happened that, you know, once again, put her in an adult situation. And so she talks about that experience and how that impacted her life. And then she talks about um, decades later, an affair she had with, you know, some writer who she, she gives him a pseudonym. Uh, she calls him Sam Spade in the book, but he's, a well-known <laughs> I never heard of him so I had to look it up but you know he's allegedly well-known and has some type of celebrity but she had an affair with him that resulted in divorce okay because she was married at the time I can't remember I think he wasn't married but I'm not quite sure she was married, but she she kind of blames everybody for everything that happens to her. So, you know, she was married, but her husband was neglecting her. So that justified her having the affair. And then when her husband found out about it, they got divorced. And the husband told her she needed to move out because she was the one who had the affair. <laughs> so then she moves out and her author boyfriend gets her, you know, an apartment a couple of blocks down the street. So these two events are the the main points of whatever trauma she experienced in her life. <laughs> so um, anyway, <laughs> but what I found odd is that she's in her sixties and 
she's still talking about what happened in high school. So, I mean, to me, that's a bit odd that you're still talking about that. Like, you haven't gotten over what happened in high school. I mean, at some point, you got to get over that because something happens to everybody in high school. So. <laughs> but anyway, and this this cover really sums it up because if you look at this cover, she looks young in this cover. And I was wondering, like, what is this? Like... <laughs> I mean, I, I was like two or three hours into the audiobook, and she reads the audio, she narrates the audiobook herself. And I just couldn't figure out what the story was about because she kept going back and forth, and it's not told in a chronological order. So she's she jumps back and forth from teenage years to adult years. She's living in New York, then she's in LA, then she's um, at the boarding school. I mean, it's just so chaotic the way the story is told. And then, like, I, I don't see what the theme is. I, I can't tell. She doesn't connect anything, you know? It's just like, she goes from one story to the next, but then they're, like, 30 years apart, and you're just like, well, what's the transition? Like, who who edited this book, okay? Like, what were they thinking? I don't get it. And then by the time, like, right at the end, she starts to connect some dots okay and it's literally like three pages to the end and then it's like the story's over <laughs> I'm just like okay <laughs> but I mean this it makes me wonder I mean because I know lately they've been having that discussion about nepotism and I don't know if they call them the Nepo babies or whatever they're calling them I'm sure you've seen those stories about, you know, the children of famous or prominent people, right? And this kind of reminds me of that because I don't get why they greenlit this memoir. I mean, it would have made more sense if she was, if she started out talking about the situation that happened when she was in high school and then she told stories of, you know, other women who experienced similar situations. That would have made sense. But being that she's in her 60s and she's telling a story about something that happened when she was a teenager. <laughs> I don't know. I don't get it. I, I don't get the book. I don't I don't know what she's trying to say. And then <sighs> I don't know. It, it kind of feels like she wants to be a part of the Me Too movement, but she doesn't have a story to attach to it. So that that's that's what I'm getting from this story. <laughs> I don't know, okay? And I read some other reviews just to see, like, is it me or what? And you know, some people really enjoyed this. They gave it five stars. And then some people shared my opinion, which is like, what is she trying to say? <laughs> I just, I have so many questions. Like who, who, okay, <laughs> who? And, and it makes sense that I, I just happened to notice today that this, the picture that serves as the front cover, right? 
This was taken, it says, in 1980. So that makes sense because I'm like, she looks and acts like a teenager even in the picture. But 1980, I don't know how old she would have been, but I think she would have been a teenager. And so that makes sense. And then I was reading, I was reading an interview she gave, I think, I think it was Fantasy Fair. Let me just double check. Did I write that down? That would have been nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> okay, yeah. She she gave an interview in Vanity Fair. And she said how this was going... She said it initially was going to be a teenage memoir, which makes sense because when you listen to the story, she definitely sounds like a bitter teenager, you know, <laughs> who's just, you know, mad at her parents or mainly mad at her mom. <laughs> so it definitely has that tone. But then she said it took her 12 years to write this story. And even she said in the story that she didn't know where it was going, what she was really doing. <laughs> but yet she wrote it anyway. So I don't know. Cause she, it, she admits that she doesn't know what she was doing, but yet she still wrote the book. So Anyway, and then she, okay, so let's talk about the first situation. The first situation is she ends up having an affair with her, one of her teachers. He is 31 years old and she is almost 18, which really matters at that age. So almost matters. Okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, someone like me would just say she's 17, but you know, to her, She's almost 18. You have to put the almost in it. It matters, okay? <laughs> so that's the age difference, difference. And they're having an affair. And he is pretending to be married to this woman who is also a teacher at the school. They're pretending to be married so that they can, so that they could get those positions at the school. And they keep the charade up. And then when... The affair is discovered. They ask Erica Schickel to, how I see it, they ask her to self-expel because they say, oh, we can't expel you, but we want you to leave. <laughs> so they make her leave the school and it's like weeks before graduation, but they say they'll let her graduate. I guess they just didn't want her to attend the graduation or any of participate in any of those activities but they they just want her to leave and they'll just we'll mail you the diploma okay <laughs> and he I, I can't remember if she said he got fired it sounded like he did get fired because he was lying about the marriage and he was engaging in a sexual relationship with a student but you know whatever happened with him that's what happened and she said something that I found interesting, Shackle. She said that the, I don't know if it was the principal or one of the officials, the school officials, implied that she, Erica, was a liar because she was an actress. <laughs> Which is the dumbest thing I ever heard in my life. So, <laughs> as of today that, that's the dumbest thing <laughs> but okay and so I wish she would have 
explored that more instead of going back and forth with all these other relationships. And then she... So that was one of her significant relationships in her life. And then fast forward to the second relationship. I mean, she talks about her husband, but she talks about him in a dismissive way. Like that relationship really (laughs) doesn't matter. I mean, she doesn't focus all that much on her husband, which seems a little weird because she did have children with him. (laughs) But she only talks about him to talk about the divorce and what led to her having the affair with the other person. But the other person, she refers to him as Sam Spade. And then um, I found out through the Vanity Fair article (laughs) because they pointed it out that Sam Spade is, uh, I think his name is James. Oh, okay. James Elroy. And he is the author who has dubbed the demon dog of LA fiction. Or the demon dog of American crime fiction. Either one, but um, he's got he's got some celebrity about him. I don't know, but I don't think anyone who Black his fiction is alive today. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know. He he's I never heard of him, but she describes him as, you know, a big deal author. So she met him at some I think it was a literary festival, some kind of writers festival or something in Los Angeles. And nothing ha- nothing came of that first meeting. And then I'm not sure what the time frame was, but at some point she sent him a friend request in Facebook. And then <laughs> he responds to that. And from there, a relationship ensued, a romantic relationship. And again, she's married at this point, married with two kids. I found it odd that she just. She didn't seem to consider how it would affect her marriage and children. Like she just, she just went into the affair. She, to me, she just lacks self-awareness, but also she has a selfish way of thinking (laughs) because, you know, she got two kids and the relationship with the author is what, I mean, Maybe there was other issues within the marriage, I'm sure. But that was the tipping point and they ended up getting divorced. And then that split the children between two homes going back and forth. And once again, her children were being neglected like she was neglected when she was a child. So you just you do see cycles of habitual behavior throughout the family, but I don't think she makes those connections and she certainly doesn't take responsibility for any of them. I mean, she likes to show how she was a victim and she was hurt, but she 
doesn't really take much responsibility as the adult and the mother and wife who is causing pain to others, you know. Those connections, she she seems to absolve herself from quite seamlessly. <laughs> so, and then I, I guess that's why she doesn't like to go in chronological order because then she would have to make the connection. <laughs> so right when you're seeing, you know, how you, her mother's behavior led to her behavior, which caused the pain of her daughters, you know, right when you make that connection, she switches to another time period. So <laughs> maybe that's strategic on her part. Maybe she knows what she's doing. I don't know. But this is just a very odd and scattered story. And it just seemed like she wants to be a part of the Me Too movement. But like, is she? <laughs> and and I, I hope I'm not I'm not dismissing what she went through. It's just, she did go through that when she was in her teens and she is in her 60s. It's like, okay. <laughs> okay. But yeah, so those are the two main relationships that she talks about when she's talking about her trauma and the author, you know, he had a drug addiction and he was in his sixties and she was taking care of him. <laughs> but I don't know. Who am I to judge whether a book should be greenlit or not? But I found it odd. I just, I found it odd that this story was traditionally published. I mean, I can see it being self-published, but, and not that I'm, I'm not trying to put down self-pub, but I could just see, you know, because it there's no, it doesn't seem to have a, linear path like what are you trying to say I don't know <laughs> and then she name drops like she name drops but you don't know who she's talking about I mean <laughs> I know her father was a film critic but it was long ago and again whoever knows who her father was I don't know if they're still alive today so I really didn't know who her father was but you know she name drops I get I don't know if that's the publisher wanting her to name drop. I, I don't know, but <laughs> it's just, she was name dropping names that you never heard of. So it's like, like she's not even talking about the cousin of the cousin of somebody, you know, <laughs> just, can you just name drop one familiar name? I mean, just one, just give me one. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. But anyway, let me just make sure there wasn't anything else that I wanted to say about this book. So obviously, I'm not recommending this book. <laughs> I'm not recommending it. I wouldn't I wouldn't even say it's terrible. It's just that it doesn't have any direction. But 
Yeah, it, it doesn't have any direction to it. It's just, I mean, she jumps from the 60s to the 80s to 2007, back to the 60s, then 2011, back to the 80s. I mean, it's just, it's a roller coaster of a memoir, okay? And I wish I could say it's worth your time, but. <laughs> It really is it, okay? I let me know your thoughts on people writing me too memoirs who shouldn't be writing them. <laughs> I'm sure there's a list, right? People who have written me too memoirs who shouldn't write them, okay, or shouldn't have written them. <laughs> but anyway, I'm gonna get out of here and I will catch you in the next one. Bye. I almost forgot, but I do want to add that Erica Shekel has a pattern of ending relationships in a contentious way. So that includes romantic and platonic relationships. Like she never seems to end them on a peaceful note, you know, <laughs> because sometimes you just grow out of relationships. It doesn't mean that you hate the person or something toxic happened and, you know, you need to get away from this person. Not all relationships end in that way, but when it comes to her, it appears that that's how all of her relationships end, okay? <laughs> and she has a way of making the other person look bad and she takes advantage of the fact that she is a accomplished writer and author so she takes the opportunity every chance she gets to make her exes her ex-friends look bad in this memoir and one situation i want to point out is when she had the when the author I'll just continue to call him Sam Spade when he dumped her she then wanted to mention that he didn't like black people and he was insecure about his girlfriend's talking to black men and he thought every white woman wanted to sleep with black men so she plays that card thinking that it's going to make people look at him one way not realizing that the bottom line is you were in a relationship with him so if you're trying to say he's a racist well then what were you when you were in the relationship with the racist <laughs> so I hate when white people want to out their exes thinking that black people are so stupid and we're just only going to look at that person that you're calling out as a racist because for me we attract what we are so if you attract a racist person it's because you're a racist because a racist wouldn't feel comfortable being in a relationship with someone who is not a racist, okay? <laughs> so that doesn't even make sense. But she plays that card thinking it makes her look good. So yet again, it's just 
overall, her character looks poor in this memoir, but I think she's proud of herself. (laughs) Anyway, like I said, I am not recommending this book. However, I will provide a link in the description if you are curious and want more information on this book. If I piqued your interest. (laughs) So, okay. For the second time, I'm saying bye. Again, like, comment, subscribe if you choose. And I'll catch you in the next one. Bye.